0: Thank you very much, choir. We are uh, in John chapter 18. Today, you could join me and turn back there if you have a Bible nearby. We are moving in this series to yet another topic that is so much in the news today, and that is truth, and where to find it, and how to determine it. Um. Really, it's, it's this larger issue of truth that lies behind all of the news concerning AI, artificial intelligence. Uh, you've seen, certainly, the headlines about that. Here's just some of them. Uh, how copyright should work in the age of AI. How we can control AI. Uh, Hynix takes early lead in the race for AI memory chips. Fake George Carlin special highlights mounting risks from AI. What happens to privacy in the age of AI? Congress considering new AI-related bills. Fake Biden robocall most likely AI generated. Is AI taking the human out of the human resources department? Is AI the hope of the world? I could go on. Um, But, you know, it's more than just about the science of artificial intelligence. It's about what information is adequate to even enter into AI's consideration and processing. And who determines that, you see. Uh, Does there exist... Does there exist a ground floor, a, a, a foundation as the basis for what to believe and what not to believe as truth. The funny thing is, as big as this issue is in our day today, it was a question that perplexed the ancients just as much. It's not new news. In the text there, uh, taking exception to Jesus' claim that he himself is the bearer and even the source of truth. Pilate, depending on how you read it, either shouts or he mutters the question, what is truth? And then notice he leaves before Jesus could even attempt an answer. The question itself is really quite a deep, long-standing philosophical one. Now, of course, though, we know enough about Pilate to know that in his case, it was a sham. An exasperated attempt to avoid dealing honestly with Jesus' claim. You see, Pilate didn't really want to know the answer because he was not interested in any claim that would take him out of control of his life, of his decisions, of his plans. Pilate was not out for truth, no matter what he asks. Pilate was not out for truth. He proves that later on. Pilate was out for Pilate, and even if it took the ignoring of or the trampling on any honest notion of truth for him to get what he wanted, what he needed here, he was prepared to do that. The fact is, though it may seem to be, the question what is truth isn't really an issue of comprehension or philosophy or theology Or research. In the end, the pursuit of truth requires, at some level, an act of submission. Not just on Pilate's part, but on everyone's part. That is the core of it. In the pursuit of truth, it's submission that separates the honest from the dishonest. Will a man bend himself? to acknowledge the truth will a woman realign herself to accomplish the truth will a person reevaluate what they think what they want what they've known or understood for the sake of the truth you see honest persons with honest motives and honest pursuits will do those things they are open to that which proves itself true. But dishonest persons, they will not. They will not do those things. They may ask the right question, you know, but they're not really open to the answers because at their core, they are centered not really on the pursuit of truth, but on the pursuit of self. The influence of sin has deluded them into believing that they, in fact, are... What only Jesus is, and that is the source of truth. That they can determine it for themselves instead of getting it from somewhere outside of themselves. You see, nobody interested chiefly in self-preservation or self-exaltation will ever find truth because it lies outside of their perceived self-interest. Pilate, his solution to Jesus' assertion here, is this attempt to ask what he intended to appear to be this deep, penetrating, uh, what he likely thought unanswerable question. He probably thought, well, nobody knows this, so we can just ignore it and, and move on. That's the strategy, you know? And, and it's true, it's one people still use today when confronted with truth claims. They, they'll pick a statement apart into minutiae, hoping that their artificial sophistication will help them avoid the real issue. It depends on what the meaning of the word is, is. Anybody remember that? It's a great example from our history, the history of our nation. If you're too young to know that, you can just Google it sometime and you'll find out more than you want to know. But but that's just the beginning. The truth is we've become far more brazen than just playing word games. We've gone so far as to divide truth as a reality. Which is where we get the phrases that are also all over the news and particularly social media these days, my truth and your truth. You recognize those terms at least partly because they were spoken very publicly a few weeks ago by people who are supposed to be some of the most brilliant and educated in our nation. So here we need to make a clarification. Okay. The very nature of the word truth. Is absolute and singular. There are not multiple truths. That compete against each other. Or that live happily as coequal. There are not truths that exists about some objective fact. There is truth. Singular. Now, in any matter, there may well be different perspectives. But perspective and truth are not the same. A few years ago, I witnessed a car accident on Nicholasville Road. I watched the whole thing from the east side of the road. So when the police came and they took our statements, I and the witness who was standing on the west side of the road had different perspectives on what happened. But between our descriptions and the physical evidence, the officer was able to arrive at the truth of what happened. It wasn't my truth. It wasn't his truth. It was the truth. And whichever of us was incorrect in our perspective, we had to admit that in the face of truth. Another good example is uh, in the calls that referees make or sometimes don't make, right? In ball games. As he was running down the sideline, did the receiver stay inbounds or did he step out of bounds? That's an objective fact. There's no such thing as the receiver's truth, the defensive end's truth, the line judge's truth, the side judge's truth, and the replay official's truth. They all may have a perspective, but in the end, there's only one truth. And everybody must eventually submit to that. And that's true in every discipline. It does not matter in the least if your truth claims that you can get up on the roof here and jump off and defy gravity. You will not do that. And your truth will be quickly proven false. It does not matter if your truth says that you happen to be the Queen of England. All you have to do is try walking into Buckingham Palace, and you will see that your truth is no truth at all. Now, those are easy, you know. But the reality of it is also true in spiritual matters. There does not exist the Muslim's truth and the Buddhist truth and the agnostics' truth, and the Hindus' truth. There exists truth, which neither shares nor compromises itself with non-truth. Honest seekers of truth must admit that first, and then submit themselves to whatever truth declares. Pilate was not an honest seeker of truth. So it was startling to Pilate to to hear Jesus say very plainly, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Man, that's quite a statement. And he had to make a choice about himself. See, Pilate did. Truth does that. It confronts us about ourselves. Those who pursue truth honestly should not be merely startled, though, by Jesus' statement there. To, to to a point of just walking away. You know, that's no kind of response to a statement like that. His words, Jesus' words, ought to move us either toward deep offence at his arrogance, or they should pull us as close to him as we can possibly get. Because Jesus is saying here that He is truth, the truth, not a truth, not His truth, the truth. You see, for any random person to say, this is the truth, well, that ought to at least raise an eyebrow. And then it ought to cause some heavy-duty research to determine whether or not that person has made a, an accurate statement, a truthful statement. But for Jesus to say, I am the truth, which is essentially what he's saying here to Pilate, but, but he explicitly says it in John 14, 6. For Jesus to say that, no thinking person just lets that go. You either do the diligence required to pursue its legitimacy, or you presume Jesus is nuts, right? In fact, Jesus' full statement in John 14 is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, no reasonable person hearing that can, with any sort of integrity, just go on thinking that Jesus is a nice guy that you listen to every once in a while, you know, when he says something that serves your purposes. That's irrational. You can't land on that nice middle ground about Jesus and be intellectually honest. Look up Lewis's trilemma in Google, and you'll get a lot more about that, okay? For our purposes this morning, though, the point is that there are not multiple truths. There's truth. And Jesus says he's the source of it. Not the internet, not AI, not ourselves, not how we feel, not our opinion, not our preference, not our perspective. Those are all nice and those are all useful, but they're not truth if they don't line up with God's truth expressed through his written word here and through the living word whose name is is Jesus. That's the claim of the Christ of Christianity. He lays it out before us and gives it to us to take or leave. On this day here, Pilate had the opportunity to rethink, to reevaluate, to recalibrate his life, to align with Jesus, to align with truth. And instead of doing it, he walked away and he became just as culpable for Jesus' death as the Jewish leaders. You and I, we have that very same opportunity today to build our lives on the truth. Will you do that fully? Will you do that comprehensively? That's the question. That's what God wants to know. Now, don't just listen to me. You know, I mean, listen to what the scriptures say. 1 Corinthians 3.11. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 19, 20. In Christ, you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Matthew 7.24. Jesus said... Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. Isaiah 26 or twenty-eight sixteen, And it's repeated, Peter repeat, it repeats it in 1 Peter 2. The, the Lord God says, behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried and precious cornerstone. A sure foundation. You can believe what I say, but you don't have to. You can believe what the Bible says. But even then, you can put those claims to the test in your own life. Do your own research about what truth is. Just whatever you do, don't give in to the your truth, my truth, their truth. That's nonsense. That is nonsense. And it's being pushed heavily by our completely self-centered society. They're lost. They don't know what truth is. When you hear someone say that, recognize it for what it is. And walk away knowing there is the truth. And then give yourself to that. To finding that. Starting with Jesus. He's not just the source of truth. (laughs) He's the hope of the world. He's the hope of the world. And how ironic is it that the source of all truth came and died for us so we could know him, so we could know truth, and so we could be forgiven. It's remarkable. But that's just what happened. That's what happened. Some say an irrational act. But it's only irrational if self-love is your highest value. What Jesus did was self-giving. And that is love. That is love. This is love. This is love. Would you take that green paper from your worship guide?